name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Gosh, thank you for that hymn. That is such a pretty hymn. Uh, And thank you for endeavoring to sing it. Uh, It's a complicated one, a little bit, but I guarantee you, even if you didn't like it, you're going to wake up at three in the morning singing Alleluia, Alleluia to that tune and wonder where it came from. Uh, We'll sing it again, I hope. Thinking about today's scriptures, I was reminded of a certain washing machine in my former apartment building. Um, If you washed a full load of wash, then things were okay. But if you just did a couple of things, you couldn't dare leave the machine. Because if it got slightly out of balance, it would just shut down. It would just stop. Um, It made me laugh sometimes because uh, it it made me think about how I'm a little like that washing machine. (laughs) If I get too far off balance one way or another, I just shut down. My body shuts down. I get a cold or something hurts all of a sudden. Um, There's a sort of interior mechanism that wants me to be centered. The scriptures, I think, invite us to Think about what centers us. Where do we go to be centered? Is it a place? Is it a particular portion of scripture, a psalm or or a song or a hymn? Is it a food that centers us and makes us feel like we're, we're home again, where we belong? Jesus shows a kind of uncanny centeredness in today's gospel. In the gospel we just heard, the group of religious leaders, the Sadducees, are, are doing their best to throw him off center, <laughs> to bog things down, to, to get him sidetracked and think about another mission altogether. The context is an important one. Jesus has come into Jerusalem already. The procession that we recall on Palm Sunday has already happened. Jesus has already uh, sparked his, uh, his fury in the temple and overchanged the money changers' tables. And so he's drawn some attention. And it's probably, probably because of that that these particular religious authorities are, are trying to, to trick him up. The Sadducees were a powerful group in Jerusalem. In today's reading, Jesus comes up right against them. The Sadducees were, by and large, holy people. They based their beliefs on the, uh, the five books of Moses. That was scripture for them. And so a little like a biblical fundamentalist in our day, they believe that it was all written right there. If it wasn't there, then they need not worry about it. Well, as we know from Jesus, he was about much more than the word written on the page. He was the word incarnate, the word from the very beginning, uh, come to interpret, to embody, to enflesh, to, to move the written words into action, into the world. Jesus talks about things not contained in those five books of Moses. Jesus talks about eternal life, and that was especially the point where the Sadducees really had no use for him or anyone else who would talk about eternal life. And so when they ask Jesus this question, which seems to be about marriage in some ways, there is a much bigger agenda. (laughs) 
Jesus and the Sadducees knew the long-standing Jewish practice, the Levitical marriage law, that if a man dies and has no children then, and he has a brother, then his brother should marry his wife to, to keep the family line going and to ensure the safety and security of the widow. In that day, women didn't really stand a chance alone. It's this that makes the backdrop for the book of Ruth and so many of the stories in the Hebrew scriptures. And so the Sadducees take a hypothetical situation. What if there are seven brothers and each one of them dies, but at each point along the way, the remaining brother has married the widow. So in the resurrection, if there is a resurrection, the Sadducees are saying, winking at one another, then whose wife is she? Well, Jesus knows they don't believe in the resurrection to start with. And so Jesus is a bit snappish when he says to them, why consider yourself, why, why worry yourself about marriage in this age? Prepare for the kingdom to come, where there's marriage with God. And so, yes, we see and acknowledge the people we've loved in this life. We see them in the next. But it's a whole new reality, much better than even the best of human marriages. So often when Jesus talks about marriage, he suggests something deeper than just the two people committing to one another, even in front of God. He suggests that the whole purpose for marriage is to multiply love. And so the love between the two in the context of God makes a a holy trinity of itself and then overflows into the world and other families and the community. That's the intention of marriage. And that love just overflows right into heaven. But Jesus knows the Sadducees don't see it that way. But Jesus doesn't allow them to change his focus. He keeps his focus and he keeps moving along toward what for him is the focus of the cross. Jesus tries to wake up the crowd around and say to them, Ours is not a God of the dead, but of the living. For to God all of them are alive. Last Sunday, we observed all saints and all souls. We gave thanks for all the famous saints who are examples to us, but we also gave special thanks for those familiar saints, those we've known and loved in this life who have have died and joined God in the fullness of God's love. And though we feel death, its pain, its shock, its disruption, We know that it can throw us off balance. Studies are being done in this age to show the the effects of grief on the human body. Notice how often when someone's spouse dies, soon thereafter the surviving spouse falls. They're thrown off, literally. There's an imbalance that happens. Sometimes for weeks, months, maybe years, But for all of us, faith in Jesus, who died on the cross, who battled down death in the grave, who rose again, faith in Jesus centers us again with resurrection life. The other scriptures for today, in their own way, also attest to this power of God to dispel distractions and help us focus on the center, the center of the cross, into the future, into eternal life. In the Hebrew scriptures, we hear some of the familiar story of Job. 
Job, who even in the very midst of death, the death of his family, the death of his career, the death of his health, the the death of his fortune, his livestock, everything he had always worked for, nonetheless, he clings to life in God. Job has friends, in quotation marks, who who come on the scene and try to reason with him and, and argue about maybe there's something in his past that's caused all this badness to happen. Job refuses to be distracted. He clings to God. He holds on to what he knows best deep down in his heart. He cries out for life that we we sing and repeat at funerals and at Easter and at other times. I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. Likewise, to the people at Thessalonica, Paul says, The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. These are appropriate words as our country observes Veterans Day tomorrow. We remember those who've struggled and who have guarded us. We can still get thrown off center. At yesterday's diocesan convention, the Bishop of New York, in his address, um, announced that beginning in the spring and into next year, we'll again be invited to participate with other congregations in Indaba conversations. Some of you may have been a part of that in the past, and I've heard about it, and so I look forward to it for the future. It's an opportunity for our congregation to get to know others around the diocese who may be different from us, who may understand God differently from us who experience faith differently. And the bishop suggested that one reason we're doing this is because it's, it's backed by popular demand. It's a good thing to strengthen the body of Christ in this place. But it's also a way of arming ourselves, of recentering ourselves as our country moves into elections again. And so much tries to throw us off, to pull us to this side or that side, to the definitive truth as understood by this person or this group or that camp. We belong to Jesus Christ in this life and in the next. And so any opportunity to recenter ourselves fortifies us to be faithful and loving in the world. That means around the table at Thanksgiving, it means down the street, it means at the office, it means in the social hall, it means wherever we may be brought into conversation or conflict with those who have different perspectives. We're called to be focused on the cross, the liberating love of the cross. Whether it's the coming political campaigns or the theological campaigns that attempt to throw us off center, the attacks from the right or the left or from some other place, from a friend or from a stranger, or maybe it's a more subtle internal attack as our own bodies age and try to throw us off and preoccupy us with other things. The cross of Jesus Christ calls us once again to the center. We center on the cross in prayer. Prayer helps and sustains. Meditation can lessen the distractions. Contemplation can clear us in new ways. In the midst of whatever comes, sickness, through any challenge, through any test, even through death and into eternal life, the cross of Christ reminds us where we're headed 
and that life and resurrection win. We also center on the cross at every Eucharist. At the altar, we meet and receive the risen Christ, crucified but risen again. We meet and receive Christ broken, transformed, and shared for us, calling us back again and again to the center of what matters most. Our worship can help center us, whether it's the the prayers of morning prayer or evening prayer or midday or your own prayers that we say alone or with family or with a small group or the weekly return to this communal prayer. We spin and run and tilt and get stuck all week long, just like that old washing machine. But then Sunday offers us healing and help, a a resettling, a calm, and a centering force to remind us that we are God's beloved. Whether we picture the cross in our prayers, whether we we hold on to it in our pocket or around our necks, uh, whether we aim toward a, a visual or mental cross, may the cross of Jesus Christ lift us in this life And always lift us into life eternal. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.